Hi there and welcome. The First Christian Church podcast ministry features the teaching and preaching of the First Christian Church in downtown Roseburg, Oregon. Here's today's message. Well, this, uh, this Christmas season at nine o'clock, um, every single day leading up to Christmas Eve, you can join in us with a Luke Christmas devotional. So we're going chapter by chapter through the book of Luke. And so tomorrow morning at nine o'clock, you can actually go to our Facebook page and look at the other ones as well if you want to catch up. But tomorrow morning, we'll be in Luke chapter seven at 9 a.m. It's a great way to kind of center your hearts every single day. And so we invite you to do that. As well as Wednesdays during December, our, uh, our church has declared them days of prayer. And so early Wednesday morning, you'll get an email from us, and it'll give you a, uh, an Advent devotional written by Billy Graham and uh, a prayer guide to go along with it and some scriptures to read. It's a great way to uh, just spend some time in prayer, maybe with you and your family. And then for those of you who are able, our sanctuary is open from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. Uh, with available and uh, some music will be playing and it'll give you a chance to uh, pray uh, here if you would like. Uh, Let's get into it. If you have your outlines, go ahead and pull those up. We are in Matthew chapter 2 today. And so if you have your outlines, you can pull those out, your Bibles as well to the first book in the New Testament. If you have the Bible app, you can follow along that way by going to events and you can find the illustrations there. We are in a two or we're in week two of a four week series called Oh, come let us adore him. And last week, while we were online only, we, uh, we talked about lifting up our hands in worship. Everybody lift up your hands right now. All righty. We're doing good. Braden, get them up. Braden, get them up. There we go. Everybody good. We talked about how when we lift up our hands, typically throughout human history, it means two things. It means victory. Man, if, when the Lakers won the championship this year, I'm going to remind you for several months about this. When the Lakers won their championship, Mike, what did we do? We lifted our hands in victory, right? There's also a portion where when you lift up your hands, it's because you're in surrender, right? You're in a moment of surrender. And last week, what we talked about is the beautiful thing in the Christian life is the moment that we surrender to God is the moment where victory can finally take place. And we talked about what the the, the, uh, the heart representation when we lift our hands in worship. We're going through this series when we're looking at four of the biblical ways to worship. So last week we talked about lifting up holy hands. Next week we're going to talk about pouring out our hearts. And then uh, the last Sunday before Christmas we're going to talk about bowing our knees. So today we're going to talk about bringing our gifts before God as an act of worship. So we're in Matthew chapter 2. Uh, Let's look at the first couple of verses as we get started. Matthew 2, verse 1 and 2 says this. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi came from the east to Jerusalem. And they asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. The reason the Magi came was to worship Jesus, and King Herod was an evil king. Uh, He was suddenly afraid, though, that his kingdom would be threatened by this baby. So he kind of lied to the Magi, and he basically said, hey, whenever you find out where he is, tell me so I can go and worship him also. He was lying, but this is what 
happens next in verse 9. After they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. Now we read that little verse, and sometimes it's hard to get the full magnitude of what's happening. And so I'm going to try to paint the picture a little bit for you. They traveled from what would have been known as modern-day Iran or Persia all the way to where Jesus was, a distance of about 900 miles. Uh, That's about here to, uh, if you're going south, it's about San Diego, California. So it's as if they uh, heard word from the king and they got on uh, whatever transportation they had. If they had camels, perhaps they not. Perhaps they just walked and they walked 900 miles. Uh, if you've ever been to Florence, uh, Florence on the coast, uh, they have the lighthouse. And one of the beautiful things about that lighthouse is, um, boy, the older I get, the more I just appreciate those little signs that come and they tell you about what you're looking at and why you're looking at them and why you're standing there in the first place. And so uh, uh, I remember the last time, boy, it's probably last summer or sometime when Libby and I went, um, they would talk about how uh, one of the major journeys uh, to, for, uh, for things to get to Florence, for supplies to get there, for food to get there. Uh, they would actually travel by a boat just a f- few dozen miles down, and they would take that last bit of journey on a wagon, and they would talk about how long that journey would take, just over 20, 30 miles. I want you to think about 900 miles of a journey. Uh, I was visiting with Lauren and Jean this last week, uh, and they were talking about, Lauren was talking about how Dutch Harbor is kind of landlocked, and uh, they have a clinic there, and I think they have some part-time medical staff, but if anything major has to go on, you have to get into a plane, and you have to travel 900 miles to Anchorage. 900 miles. This is what happened when they saw the star. Look at verse 10. Chapter 2, verse 10, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. They were overjoyed. The English translation, it's really hard with what the original language said. There are actually four Greek words that are translated into this phrase. They were overjoyed. Uh, Another version of the Bible, and maybe the one you're looking at, says it this way. They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. The Greek words, they literally mean they rejoiced with a big, humongous, overarching joy. It's a compounding joy. It's almost as if they said, we're happy about being happy, that we're happy, that we're happy that he's here. That's the kind of joy they're talking about. It's almost indescribable to express. And as I begin reading this and I begin thinking about modern day Christianity, I believe the tragedy with modern day Christianity is that we are underjoyed. That's not a word. I made it up. We're underjoyed. We should be the most overjoyed people in the world, and some of us are just underjoyed. We come to worship looking like we're maybe mad or we're upset about different things, and we maybe have a critical heart or maybe we're angry and we're nitpicking everything apart. And, and, and our posture during even worship reflects this, uh, perhaps this attitude that maybe we just don't want to be there. And as someone who's on stage from time to time singing and looking out, and, and sometimes we're standing like this. Or we're standing like this when we're worship, we're. Uh, 
And the Bible's very clear, we're to make a joyful noise, so it doesn't matter what your voice sounds like. We should be the most overjoyed out of all people. And I would encourage you, if you are overjoyed, do us all a favor and let your face know. Smile. You know, you can tell if someone's smiling with a mask on. I'm just, I'm going to be honest with you. I think you can. By the way, I want you to notice the wickers uh, matching sweaters this morning. Before you leave today, and this is the thing, if you're watching online, you won't have the the privilege of seeing these sweaters. Uh, But when I saw them this morning, (laughs) my face just lit up. It was, uh, you can tell when someone's happy or not. Being a follower of Jesus, you should be full of joy more than anybody else. Um, You have a God who's promised his presence, who's working all things for good to them who are called according to his purpose, who is, who is greater, who is ever-present, who's all-knowing, who's all-powerful, who, who has gifted us this time of year for us to reflect upon his love for us. Smile. Uh, you've been, you, we should be known for what we're joyful for, not what we're against. Be full of love. Be full of grace. When they, see, when they meet us, they should say, I bet you're a Christian because you're overjoyed. I don't know for sure, but you ca- it feels like you know God, don't you? It feels like you know Christ. It feels like you, you know where your eternity rests. It feels you're too happy not to be a Christian. Amen. We're overjoyed. This, the, the Magi, uh, they were overjoyed, so they traveled 900 or miles or so. Look at what they did in verse 11. Again, verse 10 and verse 11, we don't know what the span was. I know what it would take me to walk 900 miles. I'm just saying, we don't know how much time is there. Verse 11, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. How did they worship? I want you to watch very carefully. They worshiped him. And they opened their gifts, their treasures. They were overjoyed to bow down to worship and to bring gifts to the one who they would serve. They were overjoyed to give. They didn't give under joy. They didn't give out of reluctance or obligation. They gave out of their joy. On Halloween, uh, uh, we, we, we bought a bunch of Halloween candy. And we just waited. Our porch light was on, and we just waited for kids, and no one showed up. (laughs) It was really interesting. No one showed up, and you know, it's a different year for kids to go door to door, so we completely understood, and we were watching a movie on TV, and it got to be a few minutes after nine, and lo and behold, someone rang our doorbell, and I looked at Libby, and she looked at me, and I said, you go answer the door, I'll go get the candy. And I, I ran to the bag of candy, and we hadn't opened it yet, probably because I'm cheap and I was going to return it if no one came for Halloween. <laughs> I'll just be honest. But there, uh, she went and got the door. I opened the bag of candy. We answered the door, and there was this little sweet little girl. And her bag was almost empty. And you, if I had three hands, I would have given her three handfuls. I, we were just so overjoyed to give. This is the kind of joy we're talking about. 
It wasn't out of obligation. They didn't reluctantly make a 900-mile journey. They didn't, they didn't grab, well, what were we given last year at Christmas that we can wrap? What were we given, what, what's our leftover situation look like? Do, do, do we have something left over that we could bring to the birth of Jesus? No, they, they brought treasures. They brought gold, frankincense, myrrh. Now, here's the thing. It's debated for centuries what these things mean. I'm going to give you a very um, a brief overview of what they mean because I think it is kind of interesting. Uh, gold represents his kingship that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords was born. The frankincense, I believe, re- represents his priestly role in the ministry. And myrrh, which is interesting, is an incense that's actually used to help people prepare for burial. And so a lot of scholars believe that that, that was given to him, foreshadowing the fact that Jesus was actually born to die. They worshipped him. And they were overjoyed to bring their gifts. And as a work, as a act of worship, they brought gifts. What I want to encourage you to do is to think about what are the, what, what are the gifts you can bring God this year. Because love gives. When you love someone, you give to them. Love gives. And then there are areas of our life I want us to consider where our gifts come from. But before we do, we're going to look at a bunch of scripture and see how love is demonstrated. First, the most popular verse in the Bible, John 3, 16 For God so loved the world that he gave his own one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Boy, if you're not a church person, uh, you probably know this verse. It's at football games. It's everywhere. For God so loved the world, he gave. And why did he give? Uh, Because he loved us. For God so loved us. The world. God looked at creation and he realized that they were separated by sin and that the only way that we could be made right with God is to have our sin problem taken care of. And so he sent his son, he sent Jesus to become flesh among us. And as the person of Jesus, he lived a sinless, perfect life so that one day he could die as a payment for our sin. He would rise again and anyone who puts their faith in him would be saved and have eternal life. Love gives because that's what love does. That's what God does. Let's look at Romans chapter 5, one of my favorite verses in the New Testament. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 says it this way, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Boy, he, he demonstrated, he proved, the old King James Version says, he commendeth his love. He proved his love so that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. Love gives. Let's go to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. It says this, this is how God shows his love among us. He sent his one and only son in the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for his sins. He goes on in verse 11 and says this, uh, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Love gives. Ephesians chapter 2. Several verses just demonstrating what it looks like in the Bible when we define love. Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 4 says this, But because of his great love for us, 
God, who is rich in mercy. How many of you are just grateful that God is rich in mercy? Right? So, uh, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. What is this verse telling us? Love gives. Love gives. John chapter 15, verse 13 says this. Greater love has no man than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. So with the biblical premise that love gives, let me share with you four gifts to consider bringing to Jesus this Christmas and throughout the year. Number one, the gift of priority. The gift of priority. I want you to go to Proverbs chapter 3. And if you have your Bible, I want you to look at it in your Bible. Because um, I want to put some verses in context for you. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5 says this. Many of you may remember these two verses, verse 5 and 6. It says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. You lean on something when it lends you support, right? You lean on something when, when, when to take the weight off of yourself. And so the, 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 the writer is saying, trust in God with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him. Acknowledge him. And then he will make your paths straight. Right? Verse 7 says this, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. In other words, he's saying, don't try to figure this out. There's always higher ways than our ways. And so don't be wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord. Shun evil. And then it takes a twist. Look at verse 9. Honor the Lord with your, what's the next word? I don't like that. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. It's fascinating to me that verse 5 and 6, verses that many of us know since we've been uh, in church for any length of time, trust in the Lord with all your height. Uh, do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. The context of these verses is how you handle priority in your life. The word honor means to worship. It means to adore. It means to praise. And so he says, worship God with what you have. This is, the only, this is only one of the ways to worship God, but it's a very important way to worship God. They were overjoyed, and so they opened up. The New Testament in Matthew says they're treasures, and they worshiped him. Honor the Lord with your wealth, it says here. Worship God with your wealth, and then you will be blessed beyond measure. It's trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. It doesn't make sense right now, but in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. It's the gift of priority that we gift God. When we honor God with our first and best, we trust God that God will bless the rest. Steve Wicker was sharing with us earlier this week at one of our elders' meetings something his dad said. His dad, Neil Wicker, would say this, Show me the man who has been made poor by giving to the Lord. And Steve said his dad would just pause. Show me the man who's been made poor by giving to the Lord. It's more than just giving wealth. It's very important. It's the fact that we prioritize 
where God is in our life. We honor God with our wealth, and the ultimate thing that we give is way beyond our wealth or our treasures. It's our life. So the gift of priority. I would say, secondly, the gift of time. The gift of time. Of all of the resources that we have, the most valuable that you have is time. And guess what? We've all been given the same amount of hours in a day. We've all been given the same amount of minutes in a day. We've all been given this this commodity, this resource. And so I want to encourage you, what does it look like for you to give God the gift of time? James 4 says it this way, come near to God and he will come near to you. As you draw near to God, he then draws near to you. As you dive into the word, your faith increases. And so, might I say, if it, uh, sometimes our emotions will lie to us. And sometimes you might say, it doesn't feel like God is near. It doesn't feel like God is close to me. And we've looked at the Psalms before. We've talked about how sometimes our emotions can lie to us. And the reality is God, God whispers to us because he's right next to us. And he just whispers into our ear. But let me go ahead and further say this. Um, If you are not as close to God as you should be, guess who moved? The Bible teaches us that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. This verse teaches us uh, as we draw near to God, he will draw near to you. So if you you think about this image that James is painting for us, uh, like you in a mirror, Um, And when you see your reflection in your mirror, the moment you take a step forward that there's there's no difference in the time that it takes for your reflection to respond. This is the image I believe James is painting for us. Come near to God and he will draw near to you. And as you dive into the word, uh, your faith increases. As you draw near to God, he draws near to you. And the closer we get to God, uh, the more our faith increases. Look at uh, Romans chapter 10 verse 17 tells us where faith comes from. He says this, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. It's one thing to spend time in the word, but you and I, we are called to a higher standard than just reading it. James says this, do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. Just, just do what it says. How you spend your money and time, the gift of priority and the gift of time, what you do with these two gifts will tell the story if you are a Sunday Christian or if you're a wholehearted, everyday Christian. The gift of priority, the gift of time, I would say thirdly, the gift of attention. Uh, Colossians 3 uh, verse 1 says it this way, Since then you have been raised with Christ... Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated on the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. And so when we think about the gift of attention, what I'm asking you this is what holds your attention for any length of time? What, what holds and fixes your imagination and your attention? Because our perspective, our paradigm should be elevated, and one of the great acts of love is to simply pay attention. I've been around families where, um, uh, where children, your children don't do this, but I've seen it happen, so just take my word for it, where children are just vying for someone's attention. 
right? And it's, and it's dad, 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 mom, 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 papa, 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 right? And they're just vying for attention. What would our lives look like if that was our relationship as children to God the Father? And when we woke up in the morning, we're like, dad, 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 you're not going to I get to go to work. I still have a job, dad, dad. And when I get to go to work, uh, um, uh, I, ha- I have this coworker, and dad, you, you wouldn't believe it, uh, they drive me nuts. So dad, I, dad, dad, I, I need you today. Dad, you wouldn't understand. Dad, you won't believe it. Uh, this Sunday, we get to go to church. This Wednesday, they're, they're going to email a thing of prayer, and we're going to pray. And Dad, I, I, can't, I, can't wait to, I can't wait to talk to you. Okay, I'll call you. Love you. Bye. Dad, are you still there? What, what would our relationship with God look like if we, we wanted that type, if we wanted to we gave God that kind of attention? The gift of priority. Where does he rank in your life? Not just in finances, but wholeheartedly in your life. The gift of time. Where, what can you give God in respect to time? And then I would say the gift of attention. Fourthly, this morning, I would say the gift of worship. The gift of worship. This is what Paul said. Um, don't forget who Paul was, by the way, when we look at these verses. Uh, if you're not if you're not familiar, Paul hated Christians. Uh, he tortured them. He killed them. His main, his main imperative in life was to seek them out and kill them. And all through the book of Acts up until Acts chapter 8, this is, this is what he was known for, and yet he was transformed. The guy who was imprisoned and he beat and he tortured and he killed Christians was so transformed by God, this is what he ended up writing. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, perfect will. Paul describes what he calls true and proper worship. What would it look like if, if you gifted God the gift of worship daily? Look at Psalm 95. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, Hebrews 12, I hadn't really paid attention to this verse like I did this last week when I saw it. Hebrews 12 and verse 28. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. Verse 15 of chapter 13 of Hebrews. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise the fruit of lips that openly profess his names. Boy, that word continually means through good times and, and through bad times. That means before the pandemic and 
during the pandemic. When we're rich, when we're poor, we, acker, we offer the sacrifice of praise. I want you to think of the Old Testament story of Job for just a moment. Um, Job one and Job's chapter one and two are 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 incredibly um, um, difficult to to embrace. Job um, Job is a wealthy man by all accounts in chapter one, and through a series of events, we won't go through the whole story, but uh, but he loses his livelihood, he loses his resources, he loses his family. And at this, verse 20 of chapter 1, this is what happens. Job got up, he tore his robe, shaved his head, and he fell to the ground in worship. And he says this, naked I came from my mother's womb, naked I will depart. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Here's Job, and everything's been taken from him. Everything's been stripped away. He's on the cusp of losing his own health. And he comes to God in worship. He gives God the gift of worship. And then finally, from the psalmist, Psalms 150 and verse 6, let everything that has breath Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Here's the Magi there, overjoyed, and in their joy they gave because love gives. Love gives, and, 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 and we're compelled to love, not out of obligation, not because we have to. We give because God and first loved us. And so let me encourage you to love with bringing the gift of priority. Put Jesus first in your values, in your families, in your conversation, uh, in your prayer life, in your meals, uh, the way that you handle your finances. What would it look like for you to give God the gift of priority where he came first? Let's love with bringing the gift of time. Let's give the gift of time with our days that the first part of our day would be spent in worship, in prayer, in, in seeking God's face so that the rest of our days are aligned. That, that the first day of the week we would mark it with worship, that we would mark it with gathering with God's people, that we would mark it in such a way that says, this is how I'm starting the rest of my week. I'm starting it with you, God. I'm giving you the gift of time. What does it look like for us to bring the gift of attention where our minds and our hearts are set on things above, not on things below, where we bring the gift of worship? First John says it this way, chapter 4. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God. Because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son in the world that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us, we all ought also to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another... God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. Oh, the gift of priority. The gift of time, the gift of attention, and the gift of worship. That's where I want our hearts to be today. 
Sing that chorus with me. Uh, O come, let us adore him. 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 Christ the Lord. I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward and would you bow your heads in a word of prayer? Our worship team is going to make their way forward and we're going to sing some beautiful songs. Heavenly Father, we ask that in your presence that you would do a work in our hearts. Father, I pray that giving wouldn't be something we do, but it would be a true reflection of what you have done in our hearts. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us today, that you would move us, that you would make us generous in all that we do. And so, Father, I thank you that you're changing our hearts. Father, I thank you that in this church family, the Holy Spirit is moving even now. And so, Father, I pray that as we give, it would be out of a heart of worship. I pray you'd reveal your goodness. You've given us a chance to give back, and so, as you've given us everything through your son, Jesus, I pray that you would help us and you would embolden us to give you the gift of priority in our life, that we would make you first. I pray that all across this church family, that families would begin to give you the gift of time, that we would purposely set out time in our days to worship, to honor, to sacrifice. I pray that you would embolden us to give you the gift of attention that we would that your name would be on our lips every day and father we pray that even now as we prepare to sing and worship that collectively as a church family and then individually as followers of Jesus Christ we would give you the gift of worship in Jesus name I'm going to ask you for your heads to be bowed for just a moment more if you're watching this online or maybe you're here in the room and you've never placed your trust in God let me tell you you are here for a purpose it's time for you to give your lives to God because he sent his son to give his life for you when you call on him when you submit when you yield your life to him it's a beautiful beautiful thing The Bible says that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. And like all the verses we saw today, he loved us and so he sent his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. In a few moments, Jay Jones is going to come and he's going to lead us in communion. And when we take communion together, you can identify with Christ perhaps for the first time as a follower of Jesus Christ. If that's you today, we'd encourage you to message our church. We would love for one of us to be able to show you from the Bible what it means to have a relationship with God, what it means to identify with Him. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, the Magi were overjoyed, and in their joy they gave because love gives. So let's love with the gift of priority, the gift of time, the gift of attention, and the gift of worship. Heavenly Father, as we worship now, I pray that your heart would be pleased. I pray that even in our own hearts, as we sing these words and these words find a resting spot in our hearts, that you would awaken in us a desire and a passion to worship you.
as we lift our hands in worship, as we give you this time, may you be pleased. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you made a decision for Christ or would like prayer with someone from our church family, we would love to connect with you. You can message us on Facebook by searching Roseburg First Christian Church, or you can email us directly at roseburgfcc at gmail.com. In addition, if you're listening to this message on Apple or Spotify, we invite you to like, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast and share it on social media so others can be blessed as well. God bless you and have a beautiful day.